You're listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast, your primary source of information related to the hospitality industry in Washington State. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome. Today, we are going to talk about cybersecurity. And while everybody's coming in, let's take care of a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, the chat is turned off, but if you have questions, you can ask them, ask them down in the Q&A portion of your screen at the bottom. Uh, go ahead and type them in, and we can ask the questions of our team here from up for it. We have Ma Matthew Lianza and Josh Riley and our Logan Dozier from Washington Hospitality Association is here with us also. Um, this will be up on our website later on this afternoon. Yes, we are recording it. Um, the slideshow presentation will be in Logan's hands. So if you have, we would like to see a copy, please reach out to him. His email address is Logan D, L-O-G-A-N-D, at wahospitality.org. And now I'm going to hand it off to you, Logan. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, as Lisa said, my name is Logan Dozier, and I spearhead uh, our My Hospitality Insurance Program here at the Washington Hospitality Association. Um, we founded My Hospitality uh, Association Insurance on the principle of leveraging our influence and buying power of our members to bring wins uh, to them in this industry. Our goal is to save uh, money uh, and time while maintaining and improving uh, your business insurance coverage. Our mission is to tell your story to the carrier partners and ensure that you are set up for success this year and for many, many more years to come. Um, we cover all your standard lines from general liability, property, EPLI, crime, auto, liquor, you name it, we cover it. Um, as always, please reach out to myself, um, as Lisa said, to my email, or visit us at myhospitalityinsurance.com. Uh, with that said, we are really excited today uh, to inform you on the advancement of our cyber program. Uh, cyber is a growing concern and issue that is coming into uh, the spotlight almost every day for our members, both small and large. Um, with that, um, I will introduce my partner, Matt, to take it away from here. All right. Thank you very much, Logan. I, I appreciate that. Uh, looking forward to uh, going over our cybersecurity program with everybody today. I will start by sharing my screen and getting us going. All right. So, like I said, you know, Thank you all for your time again here today. And again, thanks uh, Logan and Lisa for the introduction. Um, thanks everyone at Washington Hospitality Association for inviting us here. Um, we're really excited to provide you this update um, on the cyber insurance and security landscape and how we've partnered with the association with Parker Smith and Feek uh, to create one of the most unique and comprehensive cyber programs available today and it is exclusive to the members of the Washington Hospitality Association. Um, as I said, my name is Matt Lianza. I am the head of business development for Upfort. Uh, joining me today is Josh Riley, our managing director. Um, throughout the webinar presentation, we'll be providing you with cybersecurity updates, um, information, and with an extra focus on the hospitality industry and small to mid-sized businesses in general. 
Um, we're also going to cover some of the most effective tools that you can use to combat the most common threats. Um, and we're going to highlight the incredible program that we put together with the Washington Hospitality Members uh, Association members and with Parker Smith and Feek. So please you know, feel free to ask any questions that you may have throughout the presentation. Um, I know Lisa will be uh, bringing them to us as we're going through it. And uh, we'll certainly do our best to save some time for the end to go through all the, all the questions, make sure we hopefully get to everything that everyone's looking to ask. Um, so really to start off, just to give you a little bit of background on you know, who is Upfort and why should you trust us with your company's insurance and security? Uh, we were initially founded back in 2017 um, originally known as Paladin Cyber. We started out as basically a cybersecurity software company that was dedicated to working with the insurance industry to help them gain a better understanding and insight into the emerging, emerging cyber risks that you're seeing today. Really, since then, we've partnered with and earned the trust of some of the biggest names in insurance, uh, carriers such as Chubb, Hiscox, Penn Underwriting, um, for this particular program, Arch Insurance, uh, really just to name a few, a handful more on top of that. Um, and on top of that, on the security side, we've won multiple awards for our comprehensive yet user-friendly cybersecurity platform. Fast forwarding to where we are today, uh, we're now able to utilize that trust, those relationships, those partnerships that we've built within the insurance space to create industry-leading coverage and security all through one holistic program. So with that, I will pass it over to Josh. Um, Josh is going to talk a little bit more about the cyber security landscape, a um, little bit about cyber insurance, and with a view specifically towards the hospitality industry. Thanks, Matt. Uh, hi, folks. It's nice to speak with you today and go through a little bit about cybersecurity and how it exists today. Hopefully this won't be pedantic or anything. I think we try to sort of make these things approachable. Um, it, it can get complicated. Cybersecurity can be complex, but that doesn't mean that any action you take has to be complex. There are plenty of practical things that, that you can do. So we're gonna try to get there through this conversation and sort of illustrate that to you. Um, you may have heard, at least anecdotally in the news or just around that small and mid-sized businesses are are really at risk of cyber attacks. And that may feel real to you or it may seem confusing. And the reality is that that's true. And it's not because you've suddenly become a big juicy target uh, for cyber criminals. The reason that it's become very true is that the economy of launching a cyber attack has changed. So it's now very, very easy to launch a cyber attack. It's very cheap to do, and anybody can do it. And that means you might as well just cast a really wide net, which means that the new character of the kind of company, the kind of organization that's a good target for a cyber attack is anybody in the whole world that doesn't have good cybersecurity at their disposal. Um, and that's a problem. Right. And it's a problem for a number of reasons. One, because small to mid-sized businesses are pretty underserved when it comes to cybersecurity. There's not a ton of money in it for a lot of people. So people tend to design cybersecurity things for larger companies. So consequently, small businesses tend to run on systems that are vulnerable because the misconfigurations that happen to everybody tend to be more easily managed by companies that have in-house IT teams and especially in-house security teams. It's obviously not practical for businesses of a certain size. The 
every employee, whether your company is large or small, is prone to being attacked by a phishing attack. We do testing on our own employees. We're a cybersecurity company. Every once in a while, you know, you put the remote control in the refrigerator. It's just a bad day, right? So everybody has phish-prone employees. The difference is big companies spend a bunch of money on email gateways and things like that to give extra protection to their to their um, employees. And that's not necessarily available to smaller companies. Lastly, what you'd say is, okay, well, then maybe I need to go and, and, and invest in some security expertise for my company. Well, that's gotten tougher and tougher too, because we're looking at a very high demand for security expertise and a very low supply. You guys are familiar with basic market dynamics. That means some of these folks are pretty high priced. Uh, so it just, it starts to be an urgent need but seemingly impractical for smaller businesses to tackle cybersecurity. So that's where we come in. So Matt, you wanna to go to the next slide? Yeah. So the good news is, as I get, again, what I'd say is if you went to a large company, you'd say like, okay, well, what do they do for cybersecurity? And the answer would be, oh my gosh, a whole mess of stuff, right? There's a lot of things, and a lot of it would be very confusing. Um, but the truth is that if you really wanted to do this sort of 80-20 approach on things, there's a really good opportunity to do that. And why? Um, because there's just a couple of things really that drive the vast, vast majority of cyber claims. One of them is, are those vulnerable systems, right? Little like base misconfigurations that just, you know, you could think of them as these aren't faulty locks on doors. These are the door on your house is gone. There's no hinges on the thing. And it's just a wide open thing. That's for at any moment about four or 5% of the uh, companies in Washington Hospitality Association, I could probably just run a big broad scan and four or 5% of them, I would just say like, look, hey, the, all the windows and doors are completely open right now. And that's a big problem. The other one is user error. So that we say phishing and actions in your inbox and your browser. And that's a very easy thing actually to wrap your head around. Everybody sort of is engaged with that topic. The reality is, depending on the year, somewhere between 85 and 95% of successful cyber attacks, meaning from the criminal's perspective, successful cyber attacks are enabled at some point by an employee taking action, not by some ones and zeros hoodie hacker type of thing, but by an employee do, doing one of those things you've heard of, right? So that means that when you think about how to address those things, if there's a way to practically respond to those issues, you will tackle a very high percentage of the things that can happen to you. Not everything. You don't, it doesn't mean you're absolutely invincible, but there's no reason to be paralyzed. There are some really good actions you can take to protect yourself from the major loss drivers. Um, so, and actually, Matt, if you want to go to the next slide. And this is a little bit of fun, actually. So one of the things we do in our in our platform, um, and again, we highlight this sometimes because a lot of what we do is we try to make people understand that, A, you don't need to be, again, you don't need to be paralyzed by cybersecurity as a topic. And B, if you're wondering if it's relevant to you, it's definitely relevant to you. So as Matt and I were coming up with this, Matt said, here's something that we can just quickly point out uh, to the folks in Washington Hospitality. Here's an example of a measurement that says this is, this is uh, uh, relevant to you. In fact, Washington State in 2023 for the tens of, well, I should say millions of phishing uh, simulation emails that our company sent out, the state with the highest fail rate uh, it happens to be Washington State. Um, and if you look across the bottom here, you can see some examples of the most common uh, templates for phishing emails. 
that caused people to click on the link or go to a landing page and enter information that they shouldn't have. Um, so some of these might look familiar to you. So again, these are things that uh, hopefully it's somewhat intuitive. You could imagine, or maybe you've gotten a phishing email that tried to poke you with sort of these types of issues before. But the good news is too, is you should sort of think that if you, you can understand why undergoing phishing simulations with these types of scenarios being played out in front of you would make you a little bit less likely in the real world to click on that real phishing campaign, right? You can start to understand. And just to note that a huge percentage of your risk in cyber is just based on this very action right here. So that means if you can impact that action, you're making an enormous impact on your cyber risk. And that's not a thing that you need to have a you know highly paid security person on staff, or you need to have uh, become a full-time cybersecurity person yourself. You just need to find the right solution. So one of the things about cyber insurance that we've noticed, you know, I've done worked in the cyber insurance industry for a while now, is that you think like, okay, I understand people might try to hack me, but like, look, I'm not a hospital, right? I don't, what, why would, what could somebody actually get out of me? And that story has changed over the years a little bit. So I do wanna, we wanna provide you a little context about why cyber insurance is important. And there's actually four different things I would talk about here. The first one is the one you would expect, right? Data theft. You probably have sensitive data are processing it in some way. For most of you, that means probably credit cards, et cetera. Um, I'm just gonna tell you right now that as of probably a few years ago, that's not your biggest cyber risk. It really isn't. And the reason for that has nothing to do with your point of sale vendor. Um, it just has to do with what people are looking for now when they launch a cyber attack isn't so much sensitive information anymore. And there's a really simple reason why. If I were a cyber criminal and I had two choices, one is I'm gonna hack into your system and I'm gonna steal sensitive information from you and I'm gonna sell it to people, right? That's one way I can make money. Another way I can make money is I can hack into your system I can shut your system down until you pay me a ransom and I can make money that way. In one way, I've got to steal something and then sell it. In another way, you're just going to give me money. I take the one where you just give me money, right? Because that skips a step, just much more efficient. As long as I can do that over and over again, I'm going to stop this whole thing of selling information on the black market. That's a waste of my time. I can just get cash straight from you, right? So what you need to sort of understand right now is if you think of cyber insurance as data breach insurance, as losing sensitive information, it is way more than that and your risk is way beyond that. So a couple of other things that you might wanna think of are, again, when that ransomware criminal shuts your business down, you will not only uh, have to deal with that, maybe lose business, perhaps lose uh, customers, but you will also have to deal with the time spent. That may become your full-time job for a while, right? Uh, the other thing that might happen is they might actually just trick you to wire money to the wrong place. If you ever wire payment, they might just trick you to wire money to the wrong place. These are all things that can happen no matter what size company you are. They can be good successes for a cyber criminal, and they're things that, that everybody needs to watch out for. Um, when we think about your point of sale contracts, again, just kind of hitting on what I think some people sort of have a mistake where they think they're a little bit invulnerable to these things. And one of the reasons they say, well, look, I only process data through a certain vendor and the vendor indemnifies me. I will tell you that as a, you know, in our job and in our, you know, in, in the insurance industry, I've seen a lot of these contracts. 
Usually they're pretty big and long and everything, and they're drafted not by you, but by somebody else. Just ask yourself, out of all those pages in that document, how many of them do you think are designed to specifically protect you, right? It's not really how it works. Um, I've seen plenty of claims from uh, breached credit card systems, and I can promise you the merchant actually does get held, res held responsible. Um, the, you cannot sort of pass your liability on to somebody else. So the last thing I would give you to think about when it comes to cyber insurance and about the people that you work with and everything is just simply this. If something happened like that, your system gets locked down, you find that a system of yours has been breached, maybe customer information has been stolen, something like that. You don't know what's going on. Ask yourself, do you know who you would call? You might need to speak with a credit bureau. You might need to speak with a law firm that specializes in these things. You're probably going to have to deal with a forensics company. Do you know who to call? Do you know how much they should charge? You know, if you're being overcharged and do you know what a good resolution looks like? And if the answer is that you're not sure, consider that cyber insurance or a program like that could answer all of those questions for you in the simplest way possible, right? So that's a good reason to think about this. And again, everybody here needs to sort of understand what their own contracts and their own responsibilities looks like and also with their priorities for how you spend money, of course. But think about if, if you're on this call, if you run a business today, cyber risk is absolutely relevant to you. Cyber insurance is absolutely of value to you. Uh, up to you to decide how much, but it is something to look into. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate that. Um, I think that's a good spot to take a, a quick uh, hold here, see if there are any questions currently before we kind of get more into a little bit of the cybersecurity tools and the program that we have built with uh, with the association. I have a question for you. Sure. Um, are small businesses really at risk? Are ha hackers more interested in bigger payouts? Yes, um, without a doubt. And that's just increasingly the case. Um, you know, as, as Josh went into a little bit uh, prior, it's, it, it's, it's the availability. They are looking now for the low-hanging fruit. Obviously, when you are hearing stories and seeing in the news, it, you're going to be hearing about big hacks because that's that's what people are actually going to report about. You're not going to hear about the mom and pop shop down the street that got that got a breach. Um, but with the availability of ransomware as a service, service these days, similar to people can just buy software as a service, and anybody without even having any technological know-how could still potentially have a ransomware event on a whole bunch of people just through those ransomware as a services um, options. That has really, really increased the small to mid-sized business um, risk. I believe it's somewhere about 65% now, they say, of breaches come from small to mid-sized businesses. Oh, I think you are muted. I am muted. Thank you. Uh, we do have another question that came in about opening attachments. Is there any way to tell if they are legitimate? Josh, you want to take that one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I will say opening attachments. So uh, the sort of common sense rules apply. You should trust the sender, right? And look beyond the sort of like headline name of the sender. A really good habit to get into is to look at the actual email address and carefully, if possible, tools that can help you. And not coincidentally, we will show you, we'll show you what we can offer in this area. 
Um, include things that will alert you if this is somebody that you don't normally receive emails from, or if it's somebody that you know maybe has sent malicious attachments before. A lot of times, these email addresses, cyber criminals are reusing them to send out these really like casting a wide net type of attacks. Um, so there's some common sense things like that to just look through and be careful. Um, the other thing I will say about attachments is that that is one area where if you want to think about like the amount of money that like Google and Microsoft has spent money is in attachment scanning for your email. So that actually is pretty good, not perfect, right? Still, some of them are going to come through. So you still need to know, but uh, make sure that your security settings are tuned up on like a, your Microsoft or your Google account to like take advantage of whatever it is that they can have. I mean, it's one of those things where it's not going to slow you down much. You might as well take the protection where you have it. If you have access to an email filtering or scanning tool, like the one we're about to show you, that's just, to me, take the layers of protection. And then the last line of defense on that is training. And when I say training, it's the content, but it's also just make it top of mind, right? So when you open an email, you're kind of like, wait a minute, am I about to get, is this a phishing simulation? I'm going to be the guy that fails it, right? Like just, if people are always a little bit aware of that, that's probably your, actually your best protection against malicious attachments. Yep. So hope that helps. Another question. Uh, awesome. since, since December, I've received over 75 requests for in reservation information. The first few they responded and included a link in the email that had specific requests. Didn't click on the link, but what are they trying to do? She said she stopped answering these and have moved them all into a scam folder. Well, usually, so the, the good news on those attacks is that they don't, because of modern browsers and everything, there aren't a lot of like what you would call like drive-by downloads anymore. Like that's, you know, it is something that can happen still, but normally now if you just click a link, let's say you have that wrong moment, you click a link and you go to a website, that's probably not the thing they're trying to get you. They're probably trying to get you to give them information. Um, and they're probably trying to get you to give them information, again, probably not to sell it or anything like that, but because sensitive information can be another platform from which they can launch a more convincing phishing attack on somebody else. So that's right. probably what the motivation for that is. You've done the exact right thing, right? Like, so just be careful around those things, take very limited action. And when in doubt, just keep them out of your line of sight so that yeah. you're not, on, again, on your worst day, you might accidentally just sort of be clicking through things, happens to everybody, but you're taking the exact, um, the exact right action. And again, uh, another another way that an email security tool can help you, because as those things start to surface, these people, as they're launching these attacks, they start to show up, right? One of them works. That means our threat intelligence will start to recognize that link. If we know it's a phishing link, the next time you open one of those emails, all of a sudden you'll see a flag there and you'll say, I knew it. I'm glad I didn't open that one before. <laughs> this is actually a thing, right? So you know, get some help from the tools, but again, it's a training thing. And honestly, the mindset that you have about that, as long as everybody on your staff thinks about things the way that you do, you're in great shape. All right, we have one more and then we'll let you get back to the presentation. Uh, what alternatives do you suggest other than email to communicate with securely? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, phone calls are good. I would suggest, I mean, email is probably the least secure method. That doesn't mean it's like dumb to, we use email all the time, right? Like there, there's pluses and minuses to everything. But what I would suggest is you can't do much better than a phone call to a number. So 
what we often tell people when it comes to what you call social engineering, and you'll hear about what a fraudulent wire transfer attack, which means that somebody sends you an email and says like, hey, change that bank account information or anything. There is no, uh, there is really, this is one of those things where it's like, there's an enormous amount of money getting stolen in that very method right now. And the protection against it is not anything super high level. What it is, is like, rather than looking at that email, go into your existing file on that person, find their phone number, pick up the phone and call them and say, did you just send me an email? Great. So um, the most important thing probably is thinking about if you're going to contact somebody and you're wondering if something fishy is going on, use your existing information and use non-email formats to verify requests. Um, email is a great tool, honestly. You just have to you just have to know it for what it is. It's extremely easy to for someone's email to be compromised, and it doesn't have to be you, right? If somebody else's email is compromised and they somebody sends an email from someone you know from their account, I mean that's that's somewhat like driving, right? My parents used to tell me when I learned to drive, like the problem isn't that you're a bad driver; it's that everybody else is. Like you, you gotta you gotta be aware of that. Um, so that's the problem with email. There's obviously a lot that's good about it, but I would say when in doubt, no, no, nothing better than picking up the phone and dialing a phone number that you, you already knew. All right. One last one is CrowdStrike a good software to use for cyber. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I would say, yeah, if, if that's practical for you, if you can use CrowdStrike, I mean, the, the issue with it is, and it's not an issue, they're a good company. What I, what I would say is that for some people, the cost of it might be a little bit tough. And and also, it's not just the cost of the software directly, but maybe the cost of ownership in a way, to think about it that way. You might have to hire somebody to help you get it set up and to maybe maintain it a little bit. Um, CrowdStrike software also might require where you need somebody to sort of manage the network data that's coming through it and respond to it and set up different rules and everything. So. One of the examples that we give people all the time is like on an insurance application, somebody might say to you, hey, do you have a firewall? Do you use firewalls? And it's really kind of a nonsense question. It's like, I have a fire, there's a Wi-Fi router behind me, which means I have a firewall. What is that? It doesn't do anything for anybody. The answer, the question should be, do you have a firewall and who updates it, maintains it? What are their threat intelligence sources? How often do they update it, right? So the issue would be CrowdStrike is undoubtedly a great cybersecurity <clears throat> company and a great tool to use. The issue would be, is it cost effective? And then are you in, are you configuring it properly and updating it properly to get everything you can out of it? If that becomes impractical, then you, again, we kind of think about other solutions to do, to deliver some similar protections because it's like exercise, right? Like if you, if you can't go on a 10 mile run, like make sure it doesn't mean that you just sit on the couch. Like we, we got to get delivered the protections. CrowdStrike is the marathon training. That's great. But if it stops you from going for a mile run, that's not great. Right. So we want to make sure you're doing something. Um, and that's where our platform can help. Awesome. So to, uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. The next one we have is a comment. So we will save that. To oh, okay. Got it. Sounds good. Okay. So Josh, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. Um, we will continue going on with the, the webinar now kind of getting into out of the landscape portion of things and more into, Hey, how, what can you do to, to help? Um, and what are we doing to help you? So overall probably, and, and some of them have already been spoken about probably dozens of different things that we could sit here, tell you, go through, um, you know, how to best secure your systems. Some of them 
more costly and time consuming than others. Um, but really overall, you know, we want to do the things that are going to make the biggest difference. You know, if you're going to be spending 10 minutes of your week on cybersecurity, because obviously you're busy doing a lot of other things, here's how you want to spend these, those 10 minutes. Uh, very first thing, training, employee training and testing. Um, very, very important. As you mentioned before, about 95% of claims come in either through vulnerabilities or fish prone employees. So constantly staying on top of them, making sure they're tested on recent cyber threats, um, including phishing simulations. To me, having that constantly on top of mind is one of the most important things to be doing. As somebody who works for a cybersecurity company, I know I never want to be the one who clicks the link or puts his puts his information into the wrong website. Um, you know, having that on top of mind means you're always going to be a little bit safer and a little bit more secure when going through and responding to an email or going to that link or putting in your credentials somewhere. Two, active protection. Layers of security on top of key entry points, um, including inboxes, browsers, workstations, and servers. And then number three, system hygiene. Making sure you identify and patch any of that vulnerable software that we were talking about any misconfigure, any misconfigurations, getting on top of those and updating them before they become that open door into your network. Um, those three things combined make a massive difference, not just from an insurance perspective, but just a cybersecurity perspective as well. Um, you know, and of course, to ensure you know you have the ultimate protection, should a breach ultimately occur, you want to make sure you have the insurance coverage as well as a backup. Nothing's ever going to be 100%, no matter how much you do, how much you spend. There's always a way in the door somehow, somewhere. So you want to make sure you have the insurance coverage as a backup. So, you know, overall, I'm sure this all sounds great in theory. You know, how exactly does it work in reality? And this is really what we've spent the last year with, uh, with, with Logan, the Washington Hospitality team, uh, with Parker Smith and Feek and their team, in order to create this streamlined digital experience for all Washington hospitality members to go gain access through um, and get into this insurance and cybersecurity program. Um, basically, you just need to follow a, a link that will be provided to you by either us or the Washington hospitality, so you know it's safe. Um, Logan and his team have that link, as do the Parker Smith and Feek teams. Um, that will take you to a quote flow that, give or take, maybe about 10 minutes or so, you can follow through has about 10 to 15 questions overall, you can receive a cyber insurance quote where you can customize some of the limits. Um, and on top of that, if you decide that you wanna move forward with that cyber insurance quote, all of the tools that we've kind of been highlighting a little bit and some of the details that I'll go into um, just after this will come complementary with that program. So the combination between the two is honestly, unlike anything that's on the market right now, um, it really is something that we work really hard with the Washington Hospitality team to get out and, uh, and out and available to their members. Um, so looking into some of the details of what is included in those tools, um, you know, specifically designed to drive cyber readiness you know, by providing each member with our proprietary AI powered solutions. They've been proven to prevent the reaches. Um, you know, looking back at those three key areas that we mentioned before in order to reduce the cyber risk that I mentioned. First, we have the training. Start with the cyber university. That provides employees with access to our automated security awareness training and tools. 
Specific trainings can be assigned or taken as needed. Um, you can have your teams as cyber aware as possible, depending on how much you want to spend, how much time, how much training you want to want to apply. Um, as part of the trainings, we also include phishing simulations. We have somewhere around 70 different templates that you can utilize. Again, you can be as proactive or as as you know hands off on it as possible. You can set it and forget it, or you can be in there and between the 70 different templates you choose from. Maybe there are 10 of them that make the most sense to your industry or to your employees. You can go in there and, and customize that as much as possible, whether it's weekly, every two weeks, every month, and determine how often those simulations will be sent out. Following that, we have the constant protection. Um, within that, we provide access to our inbox defender, um, which as Josh talked a little bit about, will essentially be an extra flag for you. If there is anything about an email that you receive that looks like there might be some sort of social engineering attempt where they are trying to get you to change a account number or routing number, if they're trying to get you to rush and do something quickly without following your proper protocols, we utilize our AI to actually check that email and alert you to those, those potential um, phishing attempts prior to you actually then going in, seeing the email, and hopefully not falling for it. On top of that, we have a browser firewall that's automatically updated to include malicious websites and downloads and automatically block those. Um, also have a whitelist, so if there are certain websites, you know, like gambling websites or something that maybe you do want your, your employees to be able to go into, maybe you don't want your employees to be able to go into, you can proactively either block or whitelist certain ones that haven't been available in the past. Um, and finally, hygiene. Um, you know, as we've spoken about a couple of times already, we have our vulnerability scan that on a weekly basis, will do a scan of your outward facing systems and actively alert you to any issues that can be exploited. And if there are tips on how to fix them, we don't just say, hey, here's a problem. It's your problem now. We will proactively help you fix it. Um, to me, having that happen on a weekly basis, so you know, okay, if something's at, you know, some of my, one of my software is at its, its end of life, essentially at this point, not something that you necessarily have to stay actively on top of, we'll be warning you proactively each week if something like that does come up. Um, so hopefully that all sounds great at this point. Um, you know, sometimes people are left wondering, as we've talked about, you know, different time and money that can go into all this, you know, how much is this going to cost me on top of the insurance? Um, like I said before, everything that we've discussed from the email security, the browser firewall, the training, um, phishing testing, weekly vulnerability monitoring, all part of the cyber program that we put together here. Um, if you go through the process that we've set up, the online process that we've set up, and you go and bind the account, automatically have access to our entire platform. Um, you can see from the chart that we have here, really even the most budget-friendly versions of these, uh, these tools can still be quite expensive as you add up per employee, um, you know, a 10 employee organization, and and actually I believe these prices might even be a year or two old at this point, um, you know, $1,700 just for these tools that you're now getting included with the cost of your cyber insurance. Um, most importantly, it works. Not a bunch of fluff that we include in the program to make it sound good or make it seem good. We had a, we, like I said before, at the start of this, we work with a bunch of very large insurance carriers already. Um, we had a one of our carrier partners last year do a case study of 20,000 of their businesses that they insure. 
um, some who do and some who do not utilize our platform. The difference was massive. Um, of that 20,000 businesses, the ones who utilized the Upfort platform had an 80% lower claim frequency. And on top of that, an 84% overall loss ratio. So not only were the claims happening less frequently, when they did happen, they were less severe. And with that, I will open the floor to any more questions. And we've got one was the comment from before, um, which will lead me to my question. Uh, we had two attempts last year to pull a fraudulent events related scam. The person would email to book a large event, say they were going off the grid for a while, so they would not be available, but could we book the band for their party about 1500 bucks and the band does not exist in a Google search. It was pretty clunky, clunky, but interesting, an interesting approach that had a few of our staff ready to book the event. We just emailed them and asked them to come into the location to book. And of course they never showed, which kind of brings me to my next question is what is the biggest risk, the cyber risk to the hospitality industry in, partic in particular? Yeah, I think Josh kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, if you want to kind of go deeper into that. Yeah, I would say it's a, there, there are a few things. I would put it in order right now in terms of like frequency of it happening. Um, uh, one is the sort of like actual, what we just like people generally refer to as cyber crime. So the direct stealing of funds through some sort of social engineering through electronic communications. That's probably the combined with the frequency of those attacks being launched and the potential impact. I think that's a big one. Um, we just had one the other day and I mean, it was a very large check and the money is gone. And it's just when I, when I imagine that, I mean, running a small business and having that kind of hit off of one mistake is, I mean, nightmare territory. So the other one is ransomware, just because ransomware is a threat to everybody. If there is any way in which it would diminish your service to your customers, um, to have some of your computer systems be unavailable for a certain amount of time, that means you're at risk of ransomware and you're a good target for it because presumably you paid some money to stop having that happen, right? So I would say ransomware. And then the third thing is the, you know, the sort of traditional one that we talked about before. Um, if somebody can get access to sensitive information, then that's a threat to you, right? Um, like I said, those types of attacks are a little bit less common now just because they're slightly less efficient than just stealing money from you directly. Um, but I would say it's those things. And just in general for the hospitality industry, I do think that, um, you know, it. one of the things about it that can make it harder is there's a lot of, there tends to be a lot of like uh, turnover in the employees. There tends to be people uh, working or using different devices to log into things or anything. So anytime you have that, a little bit of that, um, it's much easier to sort of solidify your perimeter when you have these like set group of employees within one office, just sort of working on computers and they're used to doing a certain thing all day. You guys are running like really like chaotic and volatile type of like, like fast and fun industry. And I think that, you know, a lot of the things that are lead to cyber attacks, which are, you know, again, a lot of user behavior things makes hospitality a, a juicy target for, for ransomware gangs in particular. And one thing in general that I'd add to that, and it's not honest, not just hospitality, but just kind of blowing up everywhere is, is AI, honestly, just the 
emergence of it and the use of it now, you know, very rarely are you going to see these email phishing attempts where it's very clear where there are misspellings, you know, bad grammar, and there's no more Nigerian prince who wants to give you, you know, a big portion of his of his wealth. It is very real sounding, very real looking emails. And it just highlights the importance of having a formalized plan in place. And, you know, we even talked about, you know, what, what's a better way of communicating phone, video chat like this, some of that going forward may not even be the, the safe, as safe as it seems. We're starting to see certain things come up with the deep fake videos, the deep fake voice calls where they can pretend and sound just like somebody who you think you're speaking with. They can make it look like they're calling from a number that you know. Um, all things that really, the, to me, the only way and the best way right now to combat AI is with AI. And that is what we're trying to do, at least on our inbox defender at this time, and as far as finding out some of those phishing attempts before they come. Next question is cost per employee. Is that this for those that use computers or total employees, including the guy in the back of the house doing dishes? I'm sorry, yeah, say that again? The, the, the cost, the cost of the per, software, right? Cost, now, like, yeah, I think what yeah, we're contemplating the there would, yeah, would be like, um, would be where you buy a user. So the way you would normally buy cybersecurity software would be like what they call a seat or a user count. So if I had a business, I wouldn't necessarily buy buy cybersecurity software. For the, the rule I would say is that uh, somebody who's got an email address or somebody who like uses the computer or logs into something has some sort of like network access to do their job. That would be a user that we would contemplate, um, you know, or that a, a normal cybersecurity company would probably contemplate as like needing a seat in order for them to, to sort of be protected. Okay, and we have questions about other products. Uh, is Barracuda Networks a good spam filter? And if you have WatchGuard on your POS, do they still do? Do they still need your product? Yeah, um, uh, Barracuda is a good is a good product. Um, again, kind of I would say sort of similar to when we talk about CrowdStrike or something like that. It's just if we, you know, if you came to us and said, "Oh, I want to participate in this program," should I toss out Barracuda and use you guys instead? I'd be like, "No, no, no!" Like if you like Barracuda and you find that it's cost effective, you should definitely use that, right? So that's not what we're going to try to pitch you on, right? Like so, what we what we were really trying to say is like you should have email protection, right? If you have Barracuda, fantastic, good job, right? Like that's fantastic. And then when you use our tools, I would say that what you can do is you can not use the email protection if you'd like. If you want, you can use it as just another layer. It actually what does not conflict with Barracuda. It just means that one more system checks the email before it actually gets opened by your employee. Um, so uh, yeah, one of the great things about the platform is that it's modular. So I would say any company can use training, right? We have we have folks that come to us and they've done a little bit of training before um, and they switch to ours because it's cost effective or because they like the content. We have folks that have signed up for phishing simulation contracts and then they switch to ours because it's easier to manage and it's much, much less expensive. And that's obviously if you're getting it for essentially complimentary with this program, that's probably a good money saver for you if you can consider that. Um, and then um, I think everybody should use our browser protection. There's just no reason not to. Um, so if you use a Chrome, Firefox, or Edge, just enable the browser extension. It's really, there's no latency to it. It doesn't slow down anybody's processes. And no matter what underlying security you have, it will not interrupt that. The reason for that is everything we do is at the application layer. 
which means that if you have anything in place, stuff that's protecting you or your systems, your POS, anything, all of that stuff is sort of like configured and we're not touching it. But if any of it gets through all of that and gets to the point where it would hit an application, a software program where one of your users, one of your employees would interact with it, that's where we'd be, right? So maybe what would happen is we'd never catch anything because you've got great tools otherwise, but for the cost of nothing and no slowdown, in case anything ever got through all of that stuff, you still have another layer of protection. So that's how I think of it. Right. Um, we do have a request if you could uh, close down the PowerPoint so we could see you better. Um, <laughs> sure. No. Also, um, when somebody is interested in this product, do you demonstrate the Inbox Defender and the other platform pieces or? Sure. Yeah, we'd be happy to. Obviously, you know, given timing today, we didn't get into that more about kind of getting the word out and education and all that. Um, but, you know, if anyone in particular is interested in learning a little bit more, happy to set that up separately. Um, you know, we'll certainly talk to to, to Logan about um, maybe getting a, a follow a follow up demo sometime into further into the year and we can go through the actual whole process and show you the entire security platform as well. What you'll find too is that when you go and you start interacting with the platform, you'll always see multiple opportunities where if you're starting to feel a little like you're not sure what you're doing, there's always places to chat with us, call us, email us, or even just directly book a consultation. And a lot of people, we have tens of thousands of companies that sort of are coming in and out all the time and using our software in some way. Um, some people will just stop at a certain point and just book a book a demo. Right. So even individually, if you kind of get into the process and you land on one of these websites, there's probably you'll always be able to find a button to click where you can just say, you know what, I'm stopping right here. I want somebody to show this before I do anything right. else. You'll get our customer success team and they'll call you right back and they'll put it like 15, 20 minutes on the calendar and run you right through the whole thing and just answer any questions you have. And I did drop a link into the chat that will uh, lead you directly to their program to this program through my hospitality insurance. Um, we have one, what is the annual cost per employee for this program? Um, it would really just be included with the insurance policy. Um, so there are three options for the insurance policy, depending on the limit that they choose from. Um, there's a hundred thousand dollar limit, a $250,000 limit and a $500,000 limit. That is the amount of cybersecurity insurance coverage that, that you're getting. Um, each one of those has a set price. Um, that you'll see once you go through the online quote form, like I said, it takes about 10 minutes. Once you answer all the questions, the quote will generate and you can actually toggle between those three limit options to see what the pricing will be. Um, don't want to say anything obviously definitive here because it could vary um, with taxes and everything as well. So I just highly recommend going through the, the quote flow. Like I said, it's very quick and very easy to follow. And again, if anybody has any questions, they would like to see this presentation again, the presentation slides, please reach out to Logan, uh, Logan D at wahospitality.org, or you could go ahead and visit us at myhospitality.com for quote. Um, do you have do you, any last words from Matt and Josh before we head out? Just thank you again for the time and everyone's attention. I really appreciate it. And like I said, hopefully, uh, hopefully you learned something today. Yeah. One other, one other thing I'll add is that the, I think, you know, one of the things we try to tell people is that don't undervalue as far as cybersecurity tools go. Cyber, a cyber insurance policy is a really good cybersecurity tool. So 
as you're looking through that and you're wondering, um, I mean, one of the great things about a cyber insurance policy is it gives you a method of response. So if something like this happens, one of the worst situations to be in is that you kind of don't know, right? And you're calling up a forensic investigation company and they're telling you it's $1,000 an hour because it's Friday and you don't know, am I doing the right thing or not? It's a really good product to have um, as long as it's a practical cost for you and only you can make that decision. But I think if you take a run through the program, you'll find that um, cybersecurity insurance is a, is a really valuable tool and you've got it for a pretty good price through the program that they've got for you here. Okay, Logan, any last words? Uh, none at this time. I think Matt and Josh really did an excellent job. Um, as they said, we have worked, especially um, our partner, Jim Chesmore, with them uh, many months into the making of this to not only one, make it a very, very easy uh, process to go through and look at the limits Matt said uh, for the pricing. Um, so it takes you 10 minutes or less. Um, but as they both said, feel free to reach out to any of us, um, even if you want just that personal demo or just even talk more about it and see this product. Um, we are very excited about this. This is, um, I would say, a step up from when we first launched our My Hospitality Insurance program back in 2019. And we're excited to have partners like Josh and Matt um, in the cyber front as we're seeing this threat be more and more relevant, even to the mom and pop restaurants and motels, all the way up to the larger ones in our membership. So thank you everyone for your interest and time today. Really do appreciate it. And thank you, the three, thank you to the three of you for uh, providing the information in this webinar. To our audience, uh, we will have this up online later on today on our website, wahospitality.org. And um, we will also have the links included with that. It'll lead you to a YouTube page and you can find Logan's email address if you want to see the presentation slides, or you could also see the uh, website for myhospitalityinsurance.com. So again, thank you all and have a great Wednesday. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Washington Hospitality Industry Podcast. Make sure to visit our website, wahospitality.org, where you can learn more about the restaurant and lodging industries and the Washington Hospitality Association. Be sure to subscribe to the show in iTunes, Google, Spotify, or iHeartRadio so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Thank you so much for that effort. Until next time.